In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together, and we were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. It has been a bad year for economies, to put it mildly. The jobless rate has risen just about everywhere. Small businesses across Canada have scratched and clawed just to stay afloat, many of them unsuccessfully. Larger businesses may have fared better, but they've still issued round after round of layoffs to keep the revenue flowing, to compensate for loss of revenue. And even now, as vaccines roll out and the end of the pandemic is in sight, there's still a lot of uncertainty as to what Canada's economic recovery will look like. But one glimpse of it can be found in the number of new businesses that have started up over the past several months. Whether they are in response to needs created by COVID-19, whether they are the result of recently laid off workers striking out on their own, or whether they're made possible by incredibly low interest rates and low-cost rental office space, or a combination of all of those factors. Canada is currently seeing tens of thousands of entrepreneurs taking a leap every month. And that will be crucial to the economy as the country looks to bounce back from an ugly recession. So what are these businesses? Who is starting them and why? And how many of them will make it to next year? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Matt Lundy is an economics reporter with The Globe and Mail. Hello, Matt. Hi, Jordan. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure, and uh, it was nice to read a story about a little bit of positive economic news anyway. Yeah, it seems uh, there's not a lot of it out there at times. So, uh, you know, it's good to counter it with, um, you know, things that are, you know, a little more uplifting. And not only that, things that are, uh, you know, based in some pretty solid data as well. So my assumption, and maybe we'll start with uh, what I think we've all been hearing for the past year, is my assumption is that the pandemic decimated small businesses and new businesses. Is is it safe to say, you know, before we move on to what's happening now, that that's accurate? Yeah, it is safe to say that uh, small biz has been decimated. Um, You know, in December, there are around 875,000 active businesses. That's down about, you know, 30,000 from just before the pandemic. So there are quite a lot of businesses that aren't able to operate, um, you know, in large part because of the health restrictions that are out there. They simply cannot open. Um, We know that small businesses were more likely to shut down. We've seen a lot of businesses that we know and love close permanently uh, small businesses have accounted for a disproportionate share of layoffs as well. Um, so, you know, things have been especially difficult for those companies. At the same time, when we look at the number of active businesses, um, things bottomed out in May of last year. And now they're, uh, you know, mostly with each passing month, like we are starting to get stronger and we're getting closer to that sort of pre-pandemic baseline. 
And what's changing over the past few months uh, in terms of new businesses as maybe, uh, hopefully, we kind of start to see the finish line to this? Yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the more encouraging things that we've been uh, seeing of late is, is that there is a good number of new business creation going on. Uh, so in December, uh, the most recent month for which we have data here, uh, there were just about 17,000 new businesses that were operating. Um, and these aren't businesses that existed before, so simply things that would be reopening that existed before. These were entirely new businesses. And uh, they, you know, e- even better, they employ people. Um, to, to qualify as an active new business, you have to have someone on payroll. Uh, so a typical month before the pandemic, you'd get, you know, an average of about 15,700 new businesses in a given month. So the fact that we're up at, in some recent months, 18,000, 17,000, that, that is a really encouraging sign here that people are, you know, looking through the end of the pandemic and seeing reason uh, for optimism in, in, you know, starting a business, which is inherently a very risky thing. Do we know what's driving it um, aside from just, you know, hopeful optimism that this will be over soon? Uh, is there any research behind that? So I don't think there's a ton of research, but I have had a lot of conversations, and there are some themes that emerge. So one, just to get it out of the way, there are there are definitely companies out there um, where their plans were simply delayed. So I've spoken to uh, restaurant owners, for instance. They were all set to open in April of 2020. The pandemic hits, and then they're pumping the brakes, right. figuring out what's going on with the virus and, and just delaying things a little bit. Um, aside from that, though, you do have laid off workers who, you know, there some people have been unemployed for, you know, a full year at this point. Um, and they're thinking, you know, I, I need to take matters into my own hands. Uh, and then you definitely have a group as well uh, that is increasingly optimistic. We've we've got vaccines that are rolling out, maybe not as fast as some people would like, but um, they can see a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel here. Interest rates are very low. It is mm-hmm. cheap to access credit right now in the tech space. Uh, there's quite a lot of venture financing and deal making going on. There's, you know, for a recession, a surprising amount of money that's sloshing around the financial system. Um, and then you also have people who are opportunists and they're seeing new trends emerge and, and they want to address that with the company. Do we know, you just mentioned restaurants and and tech, do we know what kinds of businesses um, we're seeing most? Uh, I think one of the more encouraging things here is that uh, we are seeing uh, all sorts of industries that are showing improvements uh, over before the pandemic, so far as new business openings are going. Pretty much across the board, uh, things have improved. I mean, even in the restaurant space and the tourism space, uh, you know, some months you're seeing a thousand new businesses open, which is, um, you know, especially for tourism, not something that I would have expected. Um, as well, uh, you know, I mentioned technology before. Technology is an interesting area because we actually didn't really see any sort of dip. Um, you know, early on in the pandemic, uh, as you would expect, new business creation uh, definitely went down a fair bit. Uh, obviously, people didn't want to take on that risk when they when they did not know very much about the virus. Uh, but in technology, uh, you really didn't see this any sort of perceptible dip here. Uh, things continued on. Uh, it was a pretty remarkable aspect. 
What about businesses that are responding um, to the needs of the past year? I was talking to somebody uh, who works in public relations for small businesses, and, and he was saying he's starting to see a whole bunch of what he's been calling uh, pan innovations, which are businesses that are basically uh, opening specifically to fill a need that's been created by, you know, either uh, health guidelines or social distancing guidelines or, or whatever. Does that account for anything or are those just kind of like neat things to see here and there? Yeah, I mean, that's a difficult one to uh, pick out in the data to tell. I mean, we we know a little bit about the industries broadly, uh, but, you know, as far as the type of business and what they do, I mean, we're we're very much relying on anecdotes. You know, I, I think again, I, you know, I keep keep going back to restaurants. I think that's a really interesting area because we've seen, uh, mm-hmm. we continue to see restaurants open here, which is interesting because they've got this massive part of their business dining service that, that you know, depending where you are is pretty much off the table. And uh, they've found ways to adapt and there are new restaurants. They, they specialize in takeaway. They do special menus a few nights a week. Um, you know, in Ontario, for instance, liquor laws have uh, have been loosened, so they're getting into wine sales. Uh, they're finding different ways uh, to adapt here. At the same time, a lot of people that I've spoken to, they don't necessarily want, you know, some of these places are fine dining establishments. They don't want to be doing takeout the whole time either. So mm-hmm. they're basically what they're doing. They're doing uh, things on a temporary basis and looking forward to, you know, one day things are going to be sort of back to normal and they can pivot to what they really want to be doing. My name is John Cullen and I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and curling. It's the story of Broomgate, how a single broom, yes, a broom, turned friends into foes and almost killed the 500-year-old sport of curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate, available now. This might be kind of um, a naive big city question, but I know at least in Toronto and Vancouver before the pandemic, restaurants were getting squeezed out of downtown spots just because of incredibly high rents that were going even higher. Um, I know office buildings have cleared out. Is there just more storefront uh, and space available for new businesses in cities right now? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely a lot of more space out there. Um, you know, I was just taking a look at some numbers this morning on offices. And so before the pandemic, uh, downtown Toronto was basically the toughest place in the continent to find office space. Vacancy rates were super, super low. It was so difficult to find anything. Uh, the vacancy rate now is 7.2% in downtown Toronto. That's the highest ever. In Calgary, I mean, their their issues with office vacancies uh, predate the pandemic because of oil and gas, but they're around 30% vacancies. Uh, For Canada overall, it's 13.4%. So there is definitely space out there. That goes to retail as well. Um, if if you are looking for office space or for a nice storefront in a prime area, I would say now is the time to get it. Speaking of starting a new business, like right now, the people that you spoke to who have done it, 
What do they say is different about the process um, than it would be in normal times? Is it easier? Is it harder? Are there more hoops with COVID regulations, less hoops because you don't have to be in person? Um, how different is it? Yeah. Um, so uh, there are, I would say there are a combination of sort of the positive and upside things. So, uh, you know, on the more downside, I spoke with uh, a baker uh, who was opening his own place in Vancouver. And what he found was that uh, because government officials, municipal officials are are so uh, so locked in on the coronavirus that actually getting paperwork and going through the bureaucracy was exceptionally difficult. So he has this beautiful new space with a kitchen, and he can't use the kitchen because the paperwork, it's, it's, it's in a backlog, basically. So he's renting out a space at another restaurant uh, that does have the appropriate paperwork and doing everything there and then shipping it over uh, to a separate space to actually sell it. Um, on the more upside of things, I think a lot of companies right now are saying, do we need office space and do we need it for the long term? So a lot of new companies that are coming around are fully remote. Uh, they have every intention of keeping a remote workforce. Now, long term, uh, you know, what does that mean for culture and morale? Um, it, you know, it's certainly possible that over time they think they need that physical footprint. But that is also, you know, a massive savings right up top for these new companies. Um, and another thing that uh, I heard uh, in speaking with people was that, especially in the tech space, when you're getting together that funding, when you're pitching to investors, normally you would have, you'd be flying around the continent, you'd be maybe getting a couple meetings in a day, this whole process would take months. And instead, it's become extremely efficient in the pandemic. Uh, you can jam in eight meetings a day by Zoom. Right. You're not traveling. It's certainly a more environmentally friendly way of doing things. Um, and the whole process, uh, you know, something that took months before, you can jam it into a couple of weeks. I don't expect uh, the numbers to have an answer for this, but it's a discussion point that I wanted to ask you about. Because when we were talking about this, uh, myself and and the producers of this show, about how many new businesses we're starting. Anecdotally, um, we seem to hear kind of what you mentioned, which is people who have lost their jobs, uh, haven't been able to find another one. And so, you know, they're trying to turn whatever side hustle that they had or, or personal idea they had into a business. And I guess my question is, is that a sustainable way for new businesses to be starting? Uh, does that make it a good news story or is it really like the story of uh, jobs that have been lost forever? Yeah, you know, I think th th this is a tough one because um, certainly you're going to have companies out there or individuals who are pursuing their passion projects. Uh, they were laid off. You see this a lot in the restaurant business where a chef was laid off. Uh, you know, maybe he's making pizzas out of his home kitchen. It gets really popular. It generates a lot of good news stories. Um, but realistically, there's hundreds of thousands of other people in the hospitality space that are laid off. They couldn't possibly all be doing this. And then you have people who are doing it. And, you know, financing a new business, that that can be difficult. You can take on a lot of debt. A lot of businesses don't last very long. So, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, crucial, uh, you know, to your point to keep that in mind that 
that just because people are, uh, you know, trying to adapt doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be successful. It, it is exceptionally difficult to be a small business owner, and uh, you know, especially at a time like this when when you can't really operate in full, that 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 is very difficult. Do we have any idea? Uh, maybe not during the pandemic because it's so recent, but just in general. Uh, what percentage of these new businesses that are starting now are still around a couple of years later? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I know from from years ago, and I'm not sure how it's evolved, but uh, it was something like half of businesses after five years were gone. Um, so that you know, I actually thought that it was going to be half maybe failed in their first year. You 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 often see that mm-hmm. statistic thrown around. Uh, the news that I've seen is a little bit better on that. Um, but yeah, I mean that's still a, a really substantial portion of companies that that can't get get past the five year mark. You know, given those numbers and given the numbers of of larger job losses that we've seen during this, how important to our COVID recovery? are these tens of thousands of new businesses? Like how, how critical is it that, you know, at least that half of them maybe succeed? Yeah, it's it's exceptionally important that, uh, that we do see this wave of entrepreneurship uh, coming into things and that people do feel confident enough in the economy uh, to take on that risk. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Small businesses uh, have accounted for a disproportionate share of job losses in this country. So I think it stands to reason that we need healthy small businesses to get people back and working. Um, The fact is, employment in this country is down by 600,000. There's 600,000 fewer people that are at work. Of course, in many places, um, once again, we are locking down. So the job numbers are presumably uh, uh, going to suffer yet again. We need new companies around to to help us with this process. At the same time, we have existing companies and their health is important too. There are far more, um, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands, nearly a million companies that existed uh, before uh, COVID took hold. So, you know, 17,000 new businesses in a month, that's that's kind of a drop in the bucket next to the bigger sort of business landscape here. And the fact is, for a lot of companies, they've taken on tons of debt over the pandemic. They might not feel comfortable hiring at the same levels. Um, they, they might not be able to take on any more debt. They might not be able to operate much longer um, with the current revenue that they have. So, so there is this sort of broader landscape where um, it is exceptionally important to get these new businesses in there, but we also need to pay quite a lot of attention to the ones that have existed for, for years or even decades in, in hope that they can come through this all right. As you mentioned, um, the bigger provinces in Canada right now are uh, back on at least some form of lockdown. It's probably going to be uh, a rough few weeks or, or a month. But if I were to take the long view for a second and look at, you know, as we come towards summer, as hopefully more people are vaccinated and, and the wave recedes, what kind of numbers will you be watching for uh, to tell us, you know, whether or not the recovery is speeding up, is slowing down, uh, is better or worse than we thought it would be? Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things that are out there. I would say, um, you know, I don't think there's anything more important really than the employment rate. Um, you know, the unemployment rate is a little bit more of a complicated thing, uh, you know, and it's one of those things that can be easily distorted. 
But the percentage of the adult population that is working is, you know, it, it is such a simple thing to look at. So right now, I think it's at, at about 59.4%. Um, that's down like 2.4 percentage points from before. Um, you know, it's it, it, that's, that doesn't sound like a lot, 2, 2.4%. Uh, that's actually equivalent to like 764,000 people. Canada's population continues to grow. So it's not only about those 600,000 fewer people that are employed. There's the fact that we have new graduates all the time. I mean, we're going to have a lot of new graduates coming into the job market very soon. People continue to immigrate into Canada. So just looking at the percentage of this country that is working mm-hmm. is vitally important to assessing the recovery. Um, and that's, you know, how long is it going to take to to recover that? I mean, it, it could take a while. Matt, thank you so much uh, for talking to us about this today and for bringing the numbers. Thanks very much for having me. Matt Lundy of The Globe and Mail. That was The Big Story. For more from us, head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can find us on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can email us anytime, thebigstorypodcast, all one word, all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. You may remember the survey that we asked you to do a couple of weeks ago. We have tabled all of the results. There's some great feedback in there. We'll be doing a special episode to chat about what we heard from you, what we'll do about it, and also to take any questions you have. So you can email them to us, you can DM them to us on Twitter, and we'll try to answer them if we can. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. I'm Laura Palmer, host of Island Crime. Season six, Sweethearts, is the story of three teenage girls who were all murdered in Victoria, Canada within about 12 months. So she was scared, something out there scared her. You just created the playground where predators can really thrive. She was a 16 year old girl. She was a sweetheart. Listen to Sweethearts at FrequencyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get podcasts. Find your frequency.